And so before we begin to submerge into the unsearchable inheritance of Christ, the unchanging epigraph of our study of the word of God is the book of Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share together with Christ all the things that are to be fulfilled, that are written about him in scripture, we will continue to study. Our collaboration with the truth of the word of God and with the Holy Spirit revealing the truth in the heart, looking at what we need to do from our side to receive the right to the power, to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. Practically, this is a calling for all the saints that have made a covenant with God, and this is their purpose. And if they will not understand this, then they will lose their salvation, whatever they may do, whatever good work they may do. And so to put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created in accordance to God in true righteousness, in accordance to God in true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. To fulfill this commanding order, we have been studying three vital, charging, and fundamental acts. And these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that it is specifically your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts, to put off, be renewed, and put on, that will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. More specifically, will the realization of our salvation come to pass? That is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it, which will then result in our name being forever blotted out of the book of life, although it may have been written there at one time. In a specific format, we've already studied the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God and Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. Relevant to this, we already looked at a series of parables and events. We became familiar with the condition that we need to fulfill in order to, by the name of God El Elyon, or God Most High, El Elyon again, God Most High, to destroy the stronghold of death in our body as this reigning sin, identifying the essence of our old person with his deeds so that we can forever thrust him out from our body into hell with noise and afterwards erect the kingdom of heaven in the form of the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body. This is a very important condition. We have been studying Psalm 18. This is a Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit with the right that he alone has reveals the conditions based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon or God Most High. And this condition is that in the circumstances of our hardship in life, when we are putting off the old man, we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our heart, stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ. We've noted that this event is one of the most powerful and voluminous symbols where we see the collaboration of our renewed mind in the form of King David and the name of God Most High and also the confrontation of our renewed mind with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul together with reigning sin in the form of our old person with his deeds. And as we've noted, all of this happens within one person, these three kings, these three kingdoms, but one body, which is why it's not so simple for those people that have uh, suddenly discovered these kings in themselves. Those uh, who do not, do not discover them, they do good work, everything is as if good in their eyes, and 
the other two kings are supporting these actions. But when you receive the truth of the word, then they to stop uh, playing this game and Saul and the old person, uh, everything begins to resist your decisions. It is by the means of the confession of the faith of our hearts stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ and what God has done in Jesus Christ. God receives the required basis or required grounds to join the battle for our earthly bodies in order to shame the old person by the power of his redemption and forever cast him out into hell with noise. In character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see an example of the character of legitimate prayer. And this can only be done by kings and priests and prophets. The first part identifies the condition or state of David's heart as a warrior in prayer. This condition of his heart was grounds for the legitimate status of his prayer. The second part reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer, which gave God the basis to deliver David from the hand of all of his enemies and deliver us also from the hand of our enemies. The third part describes the prayer battle itself, which surpasses the comprehension of the simple human mind because it is described in an epic genre in a specific format we've already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part which reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer contained in the eight names of God most high getting to know and confessing the power contained in the heart of David in the eight following names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and that is to be saved from his enemies as for God discovering the truth revealing the power of his names in the heart of David provided God grounds to utilize his abilities that consist in his eight names to battle against the enemies of David. And so automatically nothing happens. This is a difficult, quite difficult uh, work to do, uh, the work of God and man, where you clearly identify the roles and you need to know your role and fulfill them, fulfill your role. <coughs> I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. Eight names of God. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my strength in whom I will trust. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the horn of my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold. In a, and so again, these uh, eight names, number eight, which speaks about a covenant God makes with man, and he doesn't just bring forth these eight names. He could have presented more of them. But these names specifically take part in a covenant you have with God. That lot, that is in a covenant to make with God. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already looked at our inherited lot in the power of two names of God, strength and rock. And stop to look at the lot contained in the power of the name of God, fortress. We note that this nature of prayer where David confesses his lot in the eight existing names of God Most High is the strategic teaching that is purposed to be the calling. It's purposed to be the calling and mantle of a king, a priest, and a prophet anointed to rule over their earthly body. For priests that are priests within their body before prophets that are anointed to rule over the earthly body when the Holy Spirit reveals the truth within the heart then you are a prophet and if a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to rule over his calling in the form of his earthly body in the status of a king, priest and prophet then this revelation purposed for worshipping God in prayer will not be beneficial to him Therefore, the quality and lexus identifying the name of God fortress that has become the subject of our study is not able to be found in any existing dictionaries of this world. 
In Hebrew, the name of God, fortress, means the dwelling place of God, God's home, the sanctuary of God, the unapproachable light in which God abides, the place where a person gets to know God, the opportunity to be fertilized, opportunity to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven, the success of God and the joy of God, the hope of God and the trust of God. Studying the consistency of the lot that is contained in the name of God fortress, we need to not forget one indisputable thing, and that is that God can be our fortress only upon one condition, and that is if our heart will be his fortress. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. He spoke about this first individual, that in him he had no place for Jesus. But to the other he said, The opposite, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no, uh, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke 9, 57 through 62. Luke 9, 57 through 62. According to the words of Jesus, in order to become a partaker of the inherited lot contained in the name of God, fortress, we need to satisfy three conditions. And first, our heart is called to become a fortress for God, for Jesus, in which Jesus would be able to lay his head. And for this to happen, it is necessary for our heart not to have holes for foxes or nests for birds, so that the word of God be the greatest authority for us. <coughs> <clears throat> and the prophecies of any kind would never become greater for us than the written word. Your prophets, O Israel, are like foxes to the ruin, it's written. How long will these evil thoughts nest within you? God spoke to Israel, and so these nests for birds are evil thoughts, thoughts that are nesting within the mind of man. Second, it is necessary to allow the dead to bury their own dead. These represent that category of parents that being Christian people, have rejected the offer to them truth in the form of the preached word spoken by God's delegated ones and refused to pay the price to be the student of Jesus. Third, by following Jesus into the fortress of his heavenly Father, it is necessary not to look back or focus your eyes or your attention upon your nation, the house of your father, or upon your corrupt desires, so that you not be like the wife of Lot. The consistency of the lot contained in the name of God fortress is one of the most important and necessary disciplines called to participate in our coming to power over our calling, which is adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. Therefore, it is necessary for us to study and determine in what way and upon what conditions are we able to enter into the presence of God so that he can be our fortress where we can get to know God and be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven within our spirit so that we can grow from it the tree of life. The verb to approach God or to your fortress contains the opportunity giving the person the ability to be fertilized with the seeds of the promise that belong to the door of our hope, in the fruit of which God receives proper grounds to join the battle for our earthly bodies in order to destroy the stronghold of death within our body. And with noise forever thrust him out from within our body, this old person with noise. The stronghold and armor is the stronghold of death upon which he relies and trusts. In Hebrew, the phrase to run to God or approach God means to approach the altar, draw near to God, enter into the sanctuary of God, get closer to God, run to God's help, find yourself in the fortress of God, be able to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. 
grow fruit of the Spirit. Due to such a list of definitions, the lot and name of God fortress contains various meanings and independence of the circumstances and time has multiple meanings and is multi-angled. First, the name of God as fortress abiding within our heart is called to be the legitimate level of a relationship with God where a person receives the ability to get to know God and God receives the proper basis or foundation to get to know a man. Second, the name of God as fortress abiding within our heart is called to provide us the ability to receive the seed of promise that God has ordained from times of old but that we, due to specific reasons, have not, have not yet been able to receive because due to our spiritual growth our new person in our new person the reproductive function has not yet been formed giving us the ability to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven we have been attracted by various winds of doctrine that a person spoke by the trickery and craftiness of men and this was all independent of the order that functions in the body of Christ where there is one person and not many or multiple people. And so we were not able to receive, therefore, then that, that seed. Third, the name of God fortress abiding within our heart is called to incorporate the participation and power of God into all aspects of our life to give us the opportunity and ability to approach God and by doing so be fertilized by the seeds of all the truth. Therefore, every time when God, by the means of the Holy Spirit, allows a person to run to or to approach Him, then in result of such closeness or contact, we will always have a corresponding or suitable fruit in the aspect in which we were allowed to approach to God, uh, approach God or run to God. Therefore, it is us and every individual aspect of our essence that are responsible to form such an atmosphere within our heart that would be able to become a fortress for God in order to provide God legitimate grounds to be our fortress. And such an atmosphere is called to be the good soil of our heart, capable of receiving the seed capable of receiving seed of the preached to us word of God so that in the name of God deliver we can then grow the fruit that is according to the nature of seed we have received it is independence of our choice and following that choice decisions and actions that will determine if God will become our fortress or the opposite will become our revenger and our hater and for this purpose, for the purpose of studying our lot in the listed name of names of God, which are called to be the lot of our salvation, we have come to the necessity to look at a series of questions. First, what characteristics and criteria identify our inherited lot in the name of God fortress? Second question, what purpose when it comes to achieving our salvation is our inherited lot in the name of God fortress called to fulfill? Third question, what price do we need to pay in order to provide God the ability to be our fortress? And fourth question, by what results do we determine that God truly is our fortress when it comes to fulfilling our calling or achieving our salvation? In a specific format, we have already studied the essence of the first three questions and stopped to look at question four. By what results do we determine that God truly is our fortress in achieving our calling consisting of adopting our body by the redemption of Christ in order to make us carriers of the heavenly body? In the previous service, we, in a specific format, already looked at four signs by which we can judge that our heart is a fortress for God, which gives God the proper basis he needs to be our fortress in achieving our calling consisting of adopting our body by the redemption of Christ and stop to look at the seventh result, which is our ability, <coughs> our ability to receive Christ into our heart. <laughs> the result that our heart is a fortress for God and that we are within the fortress of God. Is our ability to receive Christ into our heart and our ability to place ourselves in Christ. Relevant to this, we have already studied four components by which we can judge that we have received Christ into our heart and that our heart is a fortress for God, which provides God proper grounds to be our fortress in achieving our salvation and adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. Fifth, in result of living <coughs> in result of the living within us Christ, our heart becomes a fortress for God. 
we will <coughs> discover within ourselves the mystery of the riches of the glory of God and hope upon his glory. <coughs> Colossians 1, 26 through 28, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warm, uh, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.26 through 28. <clears throat> Empty statements and confessions that are not confirmed by the faith of God, that is, the teaching of Christ that abides within our heart, is the most pitiful and destructive occurrence that is popular amongst the majority of the called to salvation, that have rejected the will of God as it relates to them, and have instead decided and state that their will is the will of God. To receive the faith of God into your heart is to receive Christ in the form of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of your life. Because because what will he present? He will present Christ. And we can only perform such an act exclusively by, by fulfilling specific conditions. By being taught the preached word about the kingdom of heaven by the person that is sent by God upon his unchanging conditions. According to the revelations received by Apostle Paul, the hope of glory is called to be based upon and be built upon Christ who lives within us. We conclude that therefore that Christ needs to live within us. This is the riches of glory and the hope of our trust. Hope is the treasury of the Heavenly Father contained and containing the bond of all the oath promises of God. Hope is the treasury of the Heavenly Father containing the bond of all of the oath promises of God that are placed into Jesus Christ and magnified by the Heavenly Father into the status of our calling in Christ. First, the heart of every person that allows itself to become knowledgeable and be taught all wisdom becomes a fortress for God. Second, the heart of every person that has allowed itself to become knowledgeable and be taught all wisdom becomes a treasury containing all of the promises in the form of our hope. It is upon hope that contains the bond of all of the oath promises that our hope is to be built and erected. Hope upon God that is not able to find itself in trust upon God is not able to be called or be hope upon God. It is the same with trust upon God that is not founded in hope upon the unchanging word of God, but rather upon some washed out formulations or physically pulled out places from the general spirit of scripture for which you don't need to pay a price for, <clears throat> a price of your nation, the house of your father and your destructive desires. This type of trust is not able to be called or be the trust upon God. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whatever, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, 26, 27. I shall remind us, hatred and love are not emotions, these are actions that lead the emotions. If you love me, keep my commandments. You see, these are not emotions, this is following God's commandments. If within our heart we do not have the glorious trust that is founded upon the promises of our hope, then this means that Christ does not live within our heart, but only a type of illusion of Christ. And consequently, then our heart is not able to be a fortress for Christ, for the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life, and God cannot become our fortress. Sixth, if in result of the living within us Christ, our heart becomes a fortress for God, we will find ourselves raised up on high before God which upon practice will mean that we will hear within our heart the voice of the Holy Spirit and will interpret it with our mouth in a specific promise that are placed upon our account in Christ Jesus. 2 Samuel 23.1.2 Now these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse, thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. 
Second Samuel 23:12. The phrase raised up, raised upon high means standing before God of all the earth and presenting the interests of God upon all the earth. Raised upon high, a more expanded definition, list of definitions is appointed by God, pulled up out of the ruins by God, placed before God, standing before God, placed by God, established by God, solidified by God, filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, and representing the will of God. These are the definitions of raised up on high. According to the given definitions, to be raised up on high first means present the will of God for your body in its adoption by the redemption of Christ which will give us the ability to be a light to the world so we can present the will of God upon all the earth. When God speaks with man, a man whose heart is his fortress, this person will be prepared in a special way for this conversation and will be clothed into a special responsibility of a man, as it is written, thus says the man raised up on high. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by work, by words out of knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Job 38, 1-3. To possess the virtue of a man means to possess the power of confession of the faith of God that abides within our heart with a pure mouth, and this privileged virtue belongs to all saints, independent of their social or gender belonging. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3, 26 through 29. You see who is a person that is placed on high is one that confesses the faith of his heart. If a person is not able to differentiate the voice of the Holy Spirit from the voice of his spirit and the spirit of deception, then such a person is not able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit within his heart. This is because the Holy Spirit is not able to abide within his heart. Therefore, such a person is able to hear his, in his heart either the voice of his spirit or the voice of the spirit of deception that he will perceive as the voice of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, to vainly state and perceive yourself as a son of God, not having received the Holy Spirit into your heart as the Lord and Master of your life, and not being clothed into Christ, and not understanding the results that will follow in our life from the privilege of standing before God means to speak idle words, for which we will need to pay a price of losing eternal life. <clears throat> All people that confess what is not in their heart will inherit destruction because they ascribe to God uh, who they are and <clears throat> ascribe for themselves who God is. <clears throat> and this is according to scripture in order to hear within your spirit the voice of the Holy Spirit and interpret it with your mouth it is necessary to be called and be a son of God in order to stand before God as a man Ezekiel 2.1 And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me, and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. And when he spoke with me, if we have not grown into full measure of growth in Christ in order to stand before God as a man to listen in your heart to the voice of the Holy Spirit and confess this revelation with your mouth, then this means that our heart is not able to be a fortress for God. And as a result, God will not have the proper basis to become our fortress. Seventh. 
7. If in result of the living within us Christ, our heart becomes a fortress for God, we will experience, experience resurrection in the aspect of a contrite or broken spirit. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me and where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Isaiah 66, 1-2. The heart of a man with a humble and contrite spirit is a place where God lives. This is a fortress for God. And in order to possess a heart that would be able to be a house for God, it is necessary to build your heart upon the basis of faith in Jesus Christ into a living house from gold, silver, and precious stones. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. 1 Corinthians 3.11-15 through 15. Why a person is saved as through fire? Because his foundation was correct, but the building that was built was incorrect. Gold, silver, and precious stones from which you are required to build yourself into a spiritual house are precious promises which become our own by the means of the fruit of the Spirit. The material wood, hay, and straw are the works of the flesh or dead works that we think are good works. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through, through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But as also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, and will be, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things are short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Second Peter 1, 3 through 9. According to the statement of Scripture, only after we build our heart into a house of God, the atmosphere of which will be a humble and contrite spirit that finds itself in fear or in trembling from listening to the preached word, we will be able to bear a similar to our heart offering to God. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Psalm 51:17. In Hebrew, the phrase broken spirit, struck, crushed, lame, torn apart, impoverished, sad, at the point of labor, placed upon the altar. Broken spirit is a well thought out and voluntary decision to break all of our options that we are able to rely upon, hope upon, or lean upon, except trust upon the precious promises given to us by God in Christ Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 5, 3. A broken spirit demonstrates within its poverty, hunger, and thirst in seeking God and knowing God and His will. A broken spirit results a lameness of soul that is not able to trust upon its intelligent abilities and humbles itself before the intelligent abilities or under the intelligent abilities of the broken spirit. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip 
and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. It's not that Jacob battled against God, but allowed God to battle together with him against the soul that was uncrucified. And he said, let me go for the day breaks, but he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to me, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. You have allowed God to battle together with you in your prayers. Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And he said, Why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Genesis 32, 24 through 31. God showed us a physical example that the soul that has experienced the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is a broken spirit, they will begin to collaborate. The soul will no longer resist the broken spirit because it is crippled, not able to then rely upon its own strength. In the given incident, the intelligent abilities of the soul and the state of its lameness <coughs> is placed in dependence of the intelligent abilities of the broken or contrite spirit. This yields the destruction of the old man, which deprives him of the governmental position in our body, after which the members of our body are given as slaves of righteousness, and therefore all three aspects of the human essence then receive the legitimate ability to place themselves upon the altar of the Lord. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Psalm 34, 5, 6. The parable about the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, 19 through 31, we see presented two categories of man. The rich man is the category of man that does not have within his foundation faith in Christ Jesus. And their build, his building that they build before God is made of wood, hay, and straw that together represent the wealth of this age that is condemned for destruction and burning. The wealthy man did not even have a, a foundation. It wasn't not just his building, but he, because it was built upon uh, items that he was supposed to be using, but he did not even have a foundation to build upon. At the same time, Lazarus is the category of man that built their building before God upon the, upon the foundation of faith in Christ Jesus, and it is of gold, silver, and precious stones that represent wealth that is imperishable in the form of precious promises of God that make us partakers of God's nature, which we inherit by the means of the fruits of our spirit. In the book of Esther, these two categories in building into a temple of the Lord are presented in Queen Vashti and King Artaxerxes. In those days when King Artaxerxes sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the citadel, that in the third year of his reign he made a feast for all his officials and servants, the powers of Persia and Media, the nobles and the princes of the provinces being before him, when he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the splendor of the excellent majesty of many days, 180 days in all. And when these days were completed, the king made a feast lasting seven days for all the people who were present in Shushan, the citadel, from the great to small in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were white and blue linen curtains fastened with cords of fine linen and purple on silver rods. Artaxerxes made a seven-day feast for all men, women, children that lived in the royal city of Shushan. This is the place to bear fruit so that you can receive gifts of gold, silver, and precious stones that you can then build from. The gifts of the Holy Spirit or Queen Vashti using also this anointed power the gifts of the Holy Spirit had invited just the women, as you know, where the good soil of the of the heart was absent, that would be able to grow the fruits of the Spirit. 
so that you can inherit them the precious promises so that you can form your body into a house of God. The gifts of the Holy Spirit that are anointed out of a good soil of the heart are not able to be a precious material that you can build from. The garden of King Artaxerxes is the symbol of the good soil of the heart, indicating that this person was a warrior in prayer. At the same time, the house of the king indicates the absence of the good soil of the heart that is not a house of prayer. We conclude that we need to never attract, be attracted to anointing, remembering that a warrior in prayer in the form of David always was an anointed of God, but an anointed of God has not always been a warrior in prayer as Saul. In absence of the good soil where she gathered all of the women where they uh, used uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we see again an indication of the absence of the seed in the form of the man, which then made it impossible for the faith of God to happen. Only women did she invite. There was no seed. There was no confession. There was no confession because the faith of God was not in the heart. Six, the absence of children at the royal a party in the house that she was or indicates the absence of the state of a heart of a child. If we rely upon the anointing and practicing of spiritual gifts or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, our heart is not able to possess the state of a heart of a child. And in this situation, our confessions are not able to have the seed of faith, the faith of God, able to then allow us to able to then allow us to inherit these precious promises. Furthermore, eighth, in result of the living within us Christ, we become the temple of God and carriers of the Holy Spirit. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that God, the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. We need to not forget that the Holy Spirit can live only within such a person that is able to leave uh, spiritual infancy, is not attracted to various winds of doctrine, because by the Lord, by the cross of the Lord Jesus, he has not separated himself from his nation, the house of his father, and his destructive desires. And in this way, received the ability, has not received the ability to be led by the Holy Spirit or depend from the revelations of God. First, many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are are the sons of God. Only being led by the Spirit of God, you can be called a son of God. These are men, women, and children, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Here it's talking about the adoption of the body. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Abba, Father is my Father. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Romans 8, 14 through 17. If a person thinks that baptism of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues gives him the ability to be led by the Holy Spirit, then he is deeply mistaking. This is clearly shown in the words of Apostle Paul, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. 1 Corinthians 13.1 And so all those that are baptized and speaking in tongues know this place of scripture, but for some reason they are convinced that they're being led by the Holy Spirit only because they speak in tongues. But this is absurd. So that our body would become a temple of the Holy Spirit and would become a fortress for Christ, it is necessary by being instructed in the faith, build yourself into a spiritual house and a royal priesthood. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 5.
And so this doesn't mean that we are infants uh, if we are nourished by the word of God. It is pretty much showing the example of how a baby loves pure milk. You need to love the word as a baby loves this pure milk. So you can be grown in salvation. Therefore, emptily stating that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit means that we confess idle words. And we will then have to answer before God by stating these words. But if we confess with our mouth that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and He is the Lord and Master of our life within us, then we will be able to state confidently before God and be blessed for it. As Jesus said, I have much to say about you, but I say only what I hear from my Father. Base what you say from what God desires and not you. Ninth, if in result of the living within us Christ, we will become transformed into the essence of Christ. My little children, for whom I labor and birth again until Christ is formed in you, Galatians 4.19. In order to see Christ in children, you need to yourself be transformed into the character of Christ. Children in Christ, or children in God, can be those people that, or that category of men that know the voice of God in the voice of the person that is a father that God has placed for them. Therefore, only that category of children in the form of students are able to place themselves in dependence of the preached word, able to form them into and transform them into the char character of Christ. Transform is to form or formulate or to make a form of some kind and to create. Now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in, in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow with, uh, follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him. For he who is not against us is on our side. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. They were saying something that was not inside of them, living inside of them, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. Luke 9:49 through 56. In these words, Jesus showed that he came for the service of justification. And a heart that was seeking God, if you remember the Samaritan woman uh, that Jesus spoke with, her heart was uh, seeking God, and by her, all the other Samaritans were able to receive Christ. The heart where Christ will abide is a carrier of the service of justification, and first of all, for yourself and afterwards, those that God has planned to receive the truth of the elementary principles of Christ and the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of their life, which will then allow Christ to be formed in our heart and allows God to become a fortress for us. Tenth, if in result of the living within us Christ, we will possess the ability to see God inside of ourselves. With my soul I have desired you in the night, yes, by my spirit within me I will seek you early, for when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness, Isaiah 26, 9. David also spoke these very same words. Seeking God in the entrails of our spirit happens. This is seeking and waiting for revelations to the truth that is already imprinted upon our heart. When you receive the word, you don't understand this word, but you have accepted this word and put it into your heart, and you begin to wait for the revelation that you'll receive for this word. This is seeking God in 
outside of yourself, within the entrails of your spirit. And then God, in the next service, or maybe the two, three services later, will respond or answer that question. Seeking revelations to the truth that are imprinted upon our hearts reveals our hunger and thirst. That is, for the Holy Spirit, the proper foundation to reveal the truth in your heart. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Habakkuk 2.1. He has something in his heart, but he doesn't understand what it is, and he's waiting to see what he will say to me. He's writing. I'm not... He's not saying, I don't understand it, so I'm not going to accept it. He stands his watch because he has a rampart, he has a tower, he has an urim and a thummim, and he's waiting uh, when the urim will explain the truth of the thummim. A heart of a person that is built into a tower in a wall indicates the fact that this heart has a thummim. That is the truth and the urim, which is the Holy Spirit that reveals this truth in the heart. I will read this familiar to us place of scripture. We have a little sister and she has no breasts. What shall we do? She does not have the urim and the thummim. What shall we do for our sister in the day when she is spoken for? And the other sister responds. And so they talk about her first. If she is a wall and we'll build upon her a battlement of silver and stating that she's not a wall, if she would be a door, we would enclose her a door by which Jesus can enter in and uh, be betrothed to her. We will enclose her with boards of cedar. And the other sister here responds, I am a wall and my breasts like towers. Then I became in his eyes as one who found peace. Songs of Solomon 8, 8 through 10. The presence of a tower within the heart of man is the readiness to make a contract with Christ. This is your readiness to receive the promise of adopting your body by the redemption of Christ. This is the contract that you're making with Christ, a matrimonial contract. If our heart, by being instructed in the faith, is not built into such a tower, then this means that our heart does not have Christ. He does not live in your heart. And, of course, then he can't be our fortress. Eleventh, if in result of the living within us Christ, when testing whether we are in the, fa- whether we are in the faith, we will discover Christ. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? when it's talking about unless indeed you are disqualified if he is not there if you can't test uh, yourself whether you're in the faith if Christ is not living inside when it's talking about the faith of the heart this is the uh, truth of the elementary teachings of Christ and the individual Holy Spirit that reveals this truth in the heart by the preached word of one that is delegated by God. The reason for why many people are resistant to the revelations of the Holy Spirit, uh, the words of the one that is placed by God, is that the soil of their heart has not been prepared for the imprinting of the elementary principles of Christ upon it. And the Holy Spirit then does not have the basis to reveal the truth in their heart that does not exist. And so such people do not have the ability to test themselves in the faith because it's not in their heart. But these people have a unique ability of a deceiver to judge everyone except themselves, ascribe their faults upon others and whom they're judging and ascribe their good deeds for themselves. If our heart is not resistant to the preached word the revelation of the truth in the heart then by examining whether we're in the faith then we will discover within ourselves Christ 12th if in result of the living within us Christ we will experience resurrection in phases of our brokenness for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity whose name is holy I I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Isaiah 57, 15. 
If you pay attention here, it's talking about the fact that there's a, a contrite. A contrite spirit means that a person's in the death of the Lord. God says, I live in such hearts so that I could resurrect their spirit, so that, I, so that they experience death and they need to experience resurrection. If they died with, together with him, then you need to res resurrect with him. And so we need to note that the brokenness of our spirit is a choice to and decision to totally dedicate our heart to God. Dedicate, why? Because it's broken because you have brought it upon the altar. Anything that is brought upon the altar is broken. It's cut into pieces, as we know. If the spirit is not broken, then that means that a person has not yet dedicated themselves to God. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show, shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Psalm 51, 15 through 17. Everything that is dedicated to God is in the format of a burnt offering. After our spirit is broken, then we receive the foundation to, proper foundation to die for our nation, the house of our father, and our destructive desires of the soul. I will remind us that to be broken is to be crushed, torn apart, or at the point of labor. To experience resurrection in the aspect of your brokenness is possible when you yourself, that everything that it was uh, that was significant to you has been, has been, you have rejected for the sake of Christ. For what things you were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Philippians 3, 7 through 11. Resur uh, resurrection in the aspect of our essence begins by examining your heart. The uh, festive resurrection of Christ. This is the result of the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, where we consider ourselves dead to sin, living for God, and stating the non-existent as existent, proclaiming. Paul says there are celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. And when this happens, you experience great weakness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. And of course, Satan at this time uh, begins to say, where is your power? Where is your strength? But Paul says, so that the great power may come, great weakness needs to come first. And you need to agree with that. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. There is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. We need to sow our body. This work of sowing doesn't mean the physical death of our body, but the death of our body that is in Jesus Christ. There's a natural body, there's a, a spiritual body, and so it is written, first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual, 1 Corinthians 15, 40 through 46. If we do not examine within or experience within our spirit the power of resurrection, then that means that within our heart we do not have Christ. And what we perceive as the brokenness of our spirit is deception. The brokenness of the spirit will be linked to great humility, where everything that is falls upon our lot 
We will research and understand that God has allowed it into our life, and we will not defend ourselves before the judges of this world. We will go to God. This will state, testify of the fact that you're his child. But when the children of God turn to judges of this world in order for the for the judges of this world to defend them then this means that these are not the children of God these are children of the devil and so they do not come to God they go to the judges of this world and we see today the shocking things that are happening among, happening among, among the saints I can imagine what is happening with other Christians when their leaders and their pastors as fools begin to argue and call the police instead of humbling themselves God has allowed this into your life David they were throwing dust at him and spitting and cursing at him and he had such an army that would be able to easily destroy them in an instant uh, in, in, in an instant and they told him master allow us let me remove the head off this do this dog and although they were very strong but without the uh, command of the king they did nothing but he said leave them God has allowed uh, this to happen. If God has allowed it, overcome this experience. Uh, allowed, God has allowed you to be covered in mud, and He wants you to withhold yourself in honor and overcome this. Maybe these words will be heard by Christ, uh, Christians that hear these things where there's a foundation maybe a religious foundation are being broken because they thought these were unions of God but they turned out to be unions of man so it's very important to understand that and when one of these people had said do you want our brothers to uh, delegate you? And I asked, who are these brothers that you are offering to delegate me? And these brothers that had delegated, the one who'd asked me, remove him, he calls the police on them. You see how quickly things change when God begins to do what? As one poet had stated, your enemies are yourselves destroying one another the time comes has has come that our enemies that who had prayed for our service to be destroyed are now destroying themselves and we as we were prosperous in god we will continue to be the more they will resist us the more they try to rise against us the more we will prosper because this is a reward for our uh, receiving the truth and accepting that truth they consider what is spiritual as heresy and so we don't need to be uh, upset at them the, these are pitiful people and pray that God give them the opportunity to see their pitiful state and that they leave this position of infancy in, in the spirit let us bend our knees and pray and we will thank God for the word that we were able to have today who we can be if Christ will live within us Amen Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, <coughs> I together with your people thank you for the truth that you have allowed us to know today. The truth is not idle so that we can examine ourselves whether Christ lives within us or if he does not 
in the form of his precious promises. If we have these precious promises, we have received them, we are rejoicing in them, we love them, then that means that Christ lives within us, that our heart is a fortress for God, and that we have the right to approach God. Thank you, Father of heaven and earth. May your mercy be glorified now and forever. May the time come for the favor of your face upon your people. May illnesses be destroyed in the bodies of your people. Curses may they be depart from their households. May their children return home. I know that many of the people's children are not where they, we would like them to be. But you are alive and our soul is alive. We believe in your words. You had said you and your house will be saved. And so we continue to see our children that have left into the world as saved according to your words. And we don't allow Satan to take them. And so you also, according to your word, will not allow them to leave this world unsaved. I thank you for these precious promises that give peace to our heart and a peace that is not able to be shaken by hell even if it comes in all its power. We will then rise up against it and will destroy it within our body. We will bind it in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have given us this power. We thank you for this knowledge. We thank you for the cleansed heart. May your comfort be strong so that your children would be comforted by you during all the obstacles and difficulties of life. During great sorrow, you can be our comfort. And the greater and deeper the sorrow, the greater and deeper will your comfort also be inside of us. We will quietly look at our enemies because the day comes that is in your authority where you will return to us hope at the door of your rapture and we have received it into our heart as a precious promise we have these vineyards the valley of Accor and our youth we carry it within ourselves we consider ourselves dead to sin living for you we proclaim that non-existent as existent we do not base anything from our emotions we lead our emotions toward your will. We thank you that you have allowed us to discipline our mouth and lead our essence toward your great goal, the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. May your name be glorified, may be lifted up forever and ever. We thank you our Father, we worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.